0: Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Afternoon Delight. Sunday, Delight Treat is here, and oh my God. I have had one of the most heavy going few days. Like, I have no clue where this has came from. This, like, flat feeling energy. I'm so down in the dumps. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> I feel like I'm treating this a bit like a therapy session right now, but I genuinely, out of nowhere, I'm just so drained. And I thought, whoa. And then I remembered Torres season is coming up and my moon is in Torres. So, of course, for the next four weeks, as of the 21st of April, I am going to be down in the dumps. So I think this is my body preparing me for it. As well as that, this time a year ago was quite a hard time for me. Um, things really were going um, bad and I had a lot of um, underlying problems going on personally that just really were getting to me. So I feel like physiologically my body's just reacting and kind of um, going for a bit of a trauma response but here I am still presenting Afternoon Delight this week with an absolute brilliant episode that's going to soothe all of you and it soothed me as well as the song that you're going to hear at the end by the incredible next artist. I have known this woman since I went to her for singing lessons um, back in January 2020 when I first met her and it was it was such an interesting experience for some reason my body decided to tell me do you know what you should do now that you're going on this miracle wonder drug and CF you should go back to singing I thought what <laughs> I have not sung like in public apart from twice drunk on karaoke badly um, I've never sung in public since I was 17 at school and you know what it's like that you have vocal coaches and you have teachers at school. You know, some some are great and some aren't brilliant. I'd went to a vocal coach for, I think, four or five weeks in 2017, and I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, she didn't really get me, she didn't really get the music, she didn't really get drag. She didn't really have, I guess, a lot of experience. So I was so lucky that in 2020, January, I managed to find the next guest who has been my vocal coach for the last year and a bit. It's it's been a roller coaster, you know. I'll let myself introduce her for you in a minute, and you'll you'll really get to hear the essence of how incredible she is. We have struck a friendship. She has been my mentor. I think the last six months, even if she's not been aware of that, she has helped me through a lot of personal issues. When my friend died, she was great at comforting me on Zoom. We ended up going for walks around winter time outside. I got to meet our beautiful dog and our partner's dog. And honestly, I'm so fortunate to have such a great vocal coach, friend and ally um, and a member of the LGBT community like myself, which even makes it all and more a little bit special. I'm going to bring to you now a brilliantly talented musician, vocal coach and friend. It is the incredible Lorna Brooks. Welcome back, So I will tell you all a little story. In 2020, it would have been January, February. I decided when I knew I was getting this new amazing CF medication called Caffeo that I would go back to singing. Yes, I had had horrible experiences throughout my education at high school with my singing teachers, and I thought to myself, Do you know what? I want to go back to- as a drag artist and try and and make myself a singer. And I will say the next guest has been my vocal coach for so long now. I think every time I think of her, I think of anchor, anchor, anchor. And I will say that she has actually been an anchor during the pandemic for me throughout. So I am so excited and privileged to be interviewing my vocal coach who has worked with people in television and theatre for years. It is the, of course, incredible Lorna Brooks. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Geordie. I am not too bad, thank you. I'm surviving the madness of this mental time. Yep. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm good.
0: I'm, I'm good. glad you. you've had quite a. You've had a hard time last week with your back, and you've had a lot of pain in your back.
1: I have, which is. Um, I'm trying not to think about it because many years ago I got a, a disc removed from my back, and I haven't really had problems with it since. But uh, I stupidly moved moved my piano last week. Um, well, that's, what, that's what's getting the blame, apparently. Because <laughs> I moved it on my own and then I painted my woodwork because I was off last week. And uh, and I was fine last week, but then on Monday it decided to be excruciatingly sore. So there's a wee bit of muscle memory mm. stuff going on with my brain that I just want to try and ditch so I won't talk about it too much.
0: <laughs> the things we do for music, okay, moving canals and that. That's
1: it. Well, that's, maybe I could add that to my CV. <laughs>
0: Love that. That's brilliant. So I know you so well, but I'm going to get to know you in ways that I probably don't. I'm going to hear about your catalogue and your history and and your work a bit more in depth. But before we kind of go into interview, would you mind just um, sort of um, introducing yourself to my listeners? That would be absolutely incredible.
1: Okay. Well, I am Lorna Brooks. I'm a working musician. Um, I have been for over 25 years in the music business. I have gone from doing session work to being in, well, being in bands, doing session work, being a solo artist, releasing albums, then working as a vocal coach at the same time as doing that, um, working in theatre and being a composer. So, done quite a lot, really.
0: You have? You've done a lot. Well done, me. Well done you, and obviously I have, I've never like told you this probably in sessions properly, but you know, I've considered, one, you're, as a vocal coach, you have just changed my attitude, my life to sing, and you've, you brought me back into the world, and you got, I listened to a song, and I know we're going to do it in lessons soon, by Whitney, which was, um, I didn't know my own strength, and I listened mm-hmm. to the lines, you know, oh, lost touch with my soul, and I thought, that is, that was it for me, that connected moment was I lost touch of my soul, and doing these sessions, I remember you saying to me, you know, I'm doing lessons on Zoom, if you want to come back, and I was like, oh, I can't hack this, I think it was actually, this time a year ago, I went, I can't hack this, this pandemic is too much, and then I'd message you saying, okay, do you know what, maybe I could do Zoom lessons, and God, we do mm-hmm. them usually every week, do you know what I mean? We like, do. And I love doing it, and you have honestly given me, you've got me back in touch with my soul, so thank you, honestly, I really appreciate that, and I do often consider you kind of a mentor for me now to sort of, like, get advice and support. Because every time we do sessions, it's not just... I hate I'm so bad for always talking and going on tangents. But we do often, I'll say, oh, things aren't going well work-wise, and you will always be good at giving me the advice to, like, you know, how to network and how to do it. So thank you for that. Like...
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. I've had quite a lot of experience in my life, so... I do wish there was somebody doing that for me though, (laughs) but uh, no, it's it's fine because I think the experience of working in various outlets, especially at the moment, uh, I'm doing quite a lot of different stuff, so I think it's quite important, having worked in education as well, whether at college or university, part-time, then you know, you do, it's important to guide people in the right way, I believe, if you care.
0: You're so right. I'm so glad. Yeah. So let's let's go back to the beginning, right? Let's go back and let's find out more about you. So, you know, I'm intrigued to know, and I think a lot of my listeners will, where did this journey start? You know, where did you grow up, study, work? You know, what were you doing before you decided to pursue music and being a musician?
1: Well, um, I grew up in a village called Eaglesome, which is just outside Glasgow. Uh, my mum was a music teacher. Uh, she played piano, um, great pianist. Uh, my dad was totally tone deaf, but loved his jazz. So there's always jazz playing in the house. Um, mind you, in his room. And uh, and I suppose we were all sent for, well, myself and my sister, my brother wasn't sent for any music lessons, he was the oldest, but myself and my sister were sent for piano lessons. Uh, my sister, Hilary who's now an MD and composer, uh, she went on to the academy, well, it's now called the Royal, what is it? RCS. RCS, yeah. And I just, classical music just didn't float my boat. Um, Even in piano lessons, I was like, oh God, bored, rigid, uh, learning three pieces to do an exam at the end of the year. Probably a bit about my rebellious character, but... uh, Um so I I when I left school um with a crap music department at school, it was terrible. But I did go on to do music, but at that time there weren't because they were back in the dark ages here. There were the only options really were classical music. So I went on to Dundee College Education to do a course in music to become a music teacher, which I after a year dropped out, of course, because I hated every second of it. The only only thing I enjoyed about it was uh, I played bass in a jazz funk band, which um, Mm. which, uh, was a bit unusual for me, because I'd never played bass before. But uh, so that was the early start. You know, there was music in my house. My mum didn't teach us piano, because I think, like teaching you driving, she thought it was really stupid to keep it in the family. So I went to this woman called Mrs. Square. So... (laughs) uh,
2: so, uh, well, bless her, pleasure. bless
1: her, she was lovely. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, where, where do you want to know? I mean, what do you want to know from From when I left college? What, how did I get into music? Or
0: I want to know everything. I want to know your whole life. All
1: right, okay, so I came back from Dundee, moved back to Eagleson, which was a bit odd. Um, no life, no, I no, not, not, hadn't have a clue what I wanted to do. I did have this, you know, when I was younger... In my teens and stuff, I'd sit at the piano and play Carpenter tunes and stuff like that, you know, and sing them. So instead of reading the music, I just sort of read the chords and just, uh, you know, and sing away. And and uh... so when I came back from Dundee, I thought, God, what am I going to do? Uh, stupidly went into the civil service because my dad sort of persuaded persuading me to do that. Uh, but during that time, I spent a lot of time in the pub because I was so miserable, and I'd moved into the south side of Glasgow by this point at uh, Battlefield, and used to drink up in a pub called Nico's in Sucky Hole Street which is still there Ooh. where all the art school boys used to hang out and everything <laughs> and uh, there was a guy working behind the bar there um, who was in a band and I said do you, need, do you need a keyboard player? He said no do you need a backing vocalist? No <laughs> so I do pl- I play trumpet as well I used to play trumpet I said well do you need a trumpet and he says yeah well, I do so, we'd quite like a trumpeter, so the first band I joined, and so I was in my 20s by this point, It's quite late yeah. getting into getting into bands, you know, um, so I joined a band, this band called Plastic Flies, and uh, he was a singer and I played trumpet, and from then on we went on to be another band called Back at the Front, and whilst in Back at the Front we were in a studio in Glasgow called Savard Studios, uh, where Brian... Brian, uh, the guy that owned the spa, oh my God, that's terrible, I know so well, uh, asked me to come in and do some session work because he heard me sing because I was doing backing vocals in the second. But in the second band that I was in, I played keyboards and did backing vocals. I got a, a Juno 60 synth for oh. my birthday or something or saved up for it or whatever. And it's uh, oh, terrible, I can't remember Brian's son. That's was terrible. <laughs> Anywho, um, he heard me sing, got me in to do some backing vocals for folk. And from then on, I uh, started another band called Julia, please, and we were, we were sort of yeah, we were doing okay. We had a few uh, record companies interested, etc, cetera, et cetera, but we didn't get signed. So um, I went on to that to do a thing uh, recording project down in Comarnic. At that point, CDs were coming out, Geordie. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yes, before you were born. And the the thought process behind a lot of CDs at the beginning of of CDs coming out was uh, much more sort of natural um, acoustic instrumentations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were a lot of people around like Julia Fordham and just that kind of acoustic sound. So I worked on a project for two years at a studio in Kamara called Sirocco with a guy called Clark Sorley and the lovely George... George Cowan. George. Um, They were the main writers, but it was a huge project, and it was really... All of that was part of my apprenticeship, to be honest. And uh, because then, I, you know, who who would have had the the opportunity to be in a two-year recording project? You know, we created about 19 tracks, put out an album, and I met some incredible people during that time because Clark had known so many great musicians... And I had, a, I had a great time doing that, um, and we gigged for that for a wee while. And uh, maybe for a couple of years, well, so maybe three years in total. And then we didn't gig very much, and I was getting a wee bit restless, mm. let's say. And so I left that project called, they called it Brooks, which was, I suppose, quite respectful. but mm-hmm. um, And uh, I left that project, um, and it was a bit of a bad divorce, to be honest. Uh, oh, really bad. Yeah, so I was feeling a bit bitter, and I was fortunate enough at that time. I'd been a huge fan of the theatre company Wildcat, right? Who were very heavily music based. No, they weren't. It wasn't musicals as such. You know, it was electric guitars and drums and you know the, the actors all played instruments and things. Mm-hmm. Eileen C. Smith started her career in Wildcat and there uh, was 784 then Wildcat and Terry Neeson and uh, Dave Anderson and you know Dave Anderson set it up with Dave McLennan who ran Play Pie in a Pint uh, sadly until he died. Um and I I'd never acted in my life, but I loved going to see Wildcat shows. So they were doing a tour of a complete history of rock and roll and an audition part. And I got a part in that, so I toured with them uh, doing that. So I sort of moved into theatre a wee bit. And then after a Wildcat, I worked with a theatre company called Clyde Unity, uh, run by John Binney and Aileen Ritchie. John Binney being a playwright um, uh, and very, very uh, openly gay. John Biddy. And uh, so I worked with them for a while and then I sort of missed singing. Did you want this as long as this, Geordie? Because this
0: is. Maybe you want this as long as you want to give it. <laughs> this is my
1: life. This is my life on a plate. So um, after working with Clyde Unity, I'd missed singing. Um, I'd started writing some songs and uh, I started gigging again. And. Uh, had a sort of trademark of started playing the twelve string guitar, which I didn't have a six string, so I just played twelve string. Mm. Um, oh no, actually, between that, myself and Carol Lola, who's a Glasgow singer songwriter, we we got on a we were in Glasgow obviously at the time and got on a bus one day to Edinburgh um, and went round about forty or fifty pubs trying to get a residential thing of covers because you didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. In Glasgow, everyone was too... Um... When
0: you when you say that, what do you mean, sorry? So, like, people in Glasgow didn't do covers, they did their own original music. Is that what you mean?
1: Oh, it was a very trendy scene, if you think about it, in the 90s in Glasgow. There were so many bands, you know, that were doing well. You know, and uh, Texas, Delamitri, Horse, you know, all these, all these bands were doing incredibly well. So it was quite... Um, it was quite... Okay, but... Um, and also... Uh, yeah, it was a bit, bit arsey to be honest. People were like, oh, well, you don't do covers, you know, sort of thing. And you didn't really do a lot of covers then. Mm. You know, covers were things like wedding bands. It wasn't like, you know, you had acoustic circuit that, that you know, yeah. the, the open mics and stuff like that. You didn't, didn't have that then. So, um, but Carol and I came through to Edinburgh and we got, a, we got a, a residency at what was then called St James's Oyster Bar. Used to be oyster bars, and they had St. James's Oyster Bar had music seven days a week, which was seven days a week. And uh, so we were very lucky on a Wednesday night to do that. So that was my start of playing guitar. I think I borrowed Carol's guitar at that point, or 12 string. And uh, yeah, so from there, I started writing songs, etc., etc., and I became a solo artist Lorna Brooks who released the first album and etc etc three albums and uh, but during all that <laughs> whilst doing that there were a lot of um courses uh, not a lot but North Glasgow College Strathclyde University uh Julian S College they all had popular music courses yeah and uh, so I was asked by Alan Dunbreck, who runs the University of the West of Scotland a music course here, just now. But uh, he ran, He was part of North Glasgow College then, and he asked me to come in and be the vocal tutor wow. one day a week. So I thought, shit, I've never done this before. <laughs> but I'd been to a vocal coach, the wonderful, uh, sadly dead now, Maggie Carter, who had taught all the Glasgow singers, you know what I mean? And... Um, Charlene Spateri, uh, Ely, really? uh, yeah, um, Della you know, Pat Kane from You Can Cry, and oh, all of us, you know, she just, she, she, uh, she was quite a character. Was <laughs> Maggie? She spoke like that. She was an opera singer, <laughs> or a classical singer. But um, she, uh,
0: so, mm? An opera singer.
1: She was a classical singer, yeah. Classical singer. I-
0: that that voice, sort of that like I'm um, still game like voice of that really oh, she was like, Oh all right,
1: Lorna how you doing? You know, was like, a wee backle. She was just uh, incredibly like she spoke a lot though. Um and uh, that was the only downfall in your lesson, like when she shut up, Maggie. But uh, <laughs> but no, she was wonderful. Um so things that she taught me, obviously, I passed on at North Glasgow, um, but obviously taking do my own take on it. I also, I play keys, I play, I play guitar, so quite good to be able to have the right kind of attitude towards the kind of stuff that young people were then. I was, I was quite young then myself, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and that then grew uh, from a vocal coaching point of view. I then trained in still voice craft. Mm-hmm. I did quite a lot of research on speech level singing. Um, it was just intrigued me, intrigued me a lot how, how you're, the body works, how... how you
0: know. threw that. So what was it you said there? Sorry, speech? What was the speech word?
1: Speech-level singing, SLS. Is a, it's a different kind of voice craft, very different to still, which is it still is very, very popular these days, especially in musical theatre. But um, it, it's just a different way of using your voice. I didn't train in SLS. I just researched it hugely because of people like Stevie Wonder, and, and you know, they, they'd been... Uh, Taught in the, the SLS mm-hmm. way, and which was much more up my street, you know. But I, I just, so I was lucky enough to be asked to, whilst pursuing a freelance musician life, to be asked to go into places like North Glasgow, Strathclyde University, Julianesque, uh, which is now Edinburgh College, of course, um, Queen Margaret as well, there so for a wee while, covering. Oh, I'm recovering slightly Um, but you know so I was it it, it, it was a constant that, that gave him a bit of security in the, the world of freelance panic yeah. so and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it hugely it wasn't something I'd ever intended to do full-time mm-hmm. but in the last year I have <laughs> which is which is fine which is great I'm grateful for it so that's really it. And then I became Lorna Brooks, singer-songwriter. I um released i released three albums. Lorna Brooks hoped to do one last year but didn't. I and uh, here I hear yeah.
0: Anne. I Thank there's you. so much to like unpack there. I've got so many questions I want to like kind of mm. engage when chat about. So like I think you were talking about a synthesizer earlier, weren't you? And sort of mm-hmm. One. Well, What's so funny because I didn't even, I've not even told you this yet, but I'm doing an online course by sub Academy in Glasgow on how to uh-huh. and, and make real music. So I've been learning all about synthesizers and I'm like, fucking hell, this is so like, interesting and acid house and how you make them. And I'm like doing mm-hmm. it, loving my life thinking, oh my God, this is so much fun. Um, and he was talking about the history of you know the nineties and sort of like mm-hmm. Isers and how things evolved. And I thought, so interesting. So you said that. I heard that and went, Oh yeah, I can get this picture and this image in my head. Mm-hmm.
1: Um and I had a rule, I had a role in Juno 60, which uh, was was one of the and do you know I've got a great story about that with Juno Sixty. Tell me. So yeah, so um that was when I was in Julia Please and I went that. Um I had my role in Juno 60, and it's sort of after. When I started to move more into acoustic music and you know, play guitar more, a lot of that was also due to the fact that I'd wrecked my back, so I couldn't really lugging keyboards about it anymore. And then, mm. uh, but anywho, um, cut long story short, what happened with the Juno '60? I sold to a music shop in Edinburgh. A lovely man called Morris Fraser, who uh, used to be in, is a songwriter, um, worked in this music shop sold my keyboard onto that. Cut to about eight years later, I'm on tour with Horse MacDonald, you know, Horse the Singer, songwriter. You're on tour with the uh, Oh yeah, I've toured a few times with Horse. Um, anyway, and I was supporting her on this tour and uh, the keyboard player Stevie, uh who's now the keyboard player with Proclaimers, um said we well, were standing outside two of us, just having a cup of coffee or whatever, and uh, heading back home, and we're talking about oh, synthesiser, synthesiser and he said to me um, oh, I've got a Juno 60, I said, oh have you I used to have a Juno 60 he said, yeah, I bought it from Rainbow Music up in, in the, you know, opposite the Queen's Hall, I said, that's really I thought, has it got a wee burn on it <laughs> a wee Let's see cigarette burn, a wee cigarette burn on it at the top. He said it has. So he has my Juno 60. Isn't that incredible? After all these years. That's great, isn't it? It's just, and he still has it. So, anywho, that was the story of my Juno 60.
0: That is a beautiful story. I think I love those Philly rounded moments where something like comes back and you're like, oh my God, something that I had is now a part of your life, but you've came into my life. I feel like it brought brought them to you. I think that's beautiful. It's so lovely. Um, I'm just more, You're. Li- I think you're a bit like me in a way. You know, you're like, oh yeah, I was like opening for a horse and I'm like, chat me through what that was like. You know, like I'm like that, I'm modest that I go, oh, I did this. And we were like, what? So what was that like going on to a horse then?
1: I mean, I'd, I'd known... Um, uh, we were from the same sort of era you know and uh, when I was in Julia please, Horse were the band itself were were really getting loads of uh, recognition and success and stuff and uh, I thought I don't know I just became friends with Horse so um, when she became uh, a solo artist I've been on I've I've done a few tours with Horse, one supporting once I was supporting, and also I was their band. Wow! I was playing keyboards, guitar, and doing back vocals sometimes all at the same time. So playing, playing around the country, and uh yeah, okay, I mean I, I've been very privileged to have met and opened for some of my absolute heroes. Really, absolute heroes. Well, I grew up. I grew up listening to. Um, I was going to have a guy called John Strayton, who's now an actor, uh, and he introduced me to the music of Janice Ian, who is you know learn the truth at yeah. seventeen, you know just a great songwriter, um, and I have had the opportunity of opening for Janice Ian and you know meeting her and and you think oh god these things are so weird gives you like that she was one person that I have uh, when I opened for her. Um, on our tour that I really, I really was so humble, um, you know, and I did ask her for her autograph, which, which she found a bit strange, which <laughs> I have up in my wall over there, um, and uh, I've opened for Janice and Jimmy Somerville, uh, Jimmy John Col- Sean Colvin, ah, yeah, yeah, uh, who else have I for? Oh, loads of them. Uh, Iris DeMent, you know who she is, uh, uh, oh, loads, uh, James Grant, um, yeah, uh, Eric Bibb, who's a, a blues artist that who I adore, I've opened for him as well, and oh, the the, the, list, the list goes on, Jordi, goes on. Oh, so it's it's wonderful. It's, it's like you know when you when you get an opportunity like that, and I'm very grateful to regular music and dance uh, DF uh, promoters for giving me the opportunity to meet and open for these people, you know. So.
0: Great. So, in terms of your, you know, highlights, you know, in your career, like, you know, if I was to say to you, you know, you've, you've chatted quite a lot about a lot of the amazing things you've done, but, like, you know, what are some of the highlights, you know, you said all these tours and stuff, what are some of the highlights for you particularly? Were there any that are, like, you're, like, that really strike with you? Uh, yes. I,
1: back in vocals for John Martin, um, who... Was was it What was a god to me anyway but a very odd man but uh yes uh also some odd things have been highlights you know um I was opening for Candy Staten and uh what? I remember that venue up on Lothian Road what's it called? Oh. Uh, uh, the, big, the big place that's now a Weatherspoon sadly. I was opening for her and um I was playing away mid-song, mid and it was myself and my backing vocalist, Althea Stentford, and then um, she... Uh, so we are playing away, and it was quite, quite busy and everything, and then twang, you know, a, a guitar string breaks, and but I continued to play. I was so cool, Geordie, right? <laughs> I continued to play and, str- and sing whilst I unravelled this, the, the guitar string that had broken, pulled out out the bottom and threw it on the... Floors, so I could because the rest of the guitar would have gone out of tune quite a bit if I hadn't done that. And I got raptured with some you know, we stupid moments for that. You think, hey, that was that was a highlight of my life. Love that. When I broke a string and I was so cool about it and was able to continue playing and do that. I had seen somebody do that before and I thought that's quite cool. I want to be able to do that. So, <laughs> um, and also, I think one of the highlights for me, um, I played in St. Louis. Uh, I was invited over, to, I was doing some dates in, in America, and I was invited over to play at Pride in St. Louis, wow. so um, 40,000 people or whatever, Incredible. and my partner um, was my tour manager and everything, uh, and we always had a great time, but they gave us, when I arrived at St. Louis, they treated us so well, you know, top hotel, and quite white limo to the gig and a big Winnebago when you go up there and you know all that fantasy stuff that you, you think your life's going to be like as a musician I'm not particularly interested in fame but as a musician I, I thought well maybe you know might be treated quite well one day well at St. Louis we'll never ever forget how well we were treated mm. and uh, you know playing to 40,000 people selling CDs because at that point I had an album out which was good and Um, and also the funniest part of it though was when we left the festival we came back in the stretch limo to the hotel the Hilton or whatever they're putting us up in and there was a huge crowd because there was a big baseball match on that day the White Sox were playing right and the big stretch limo came up outside the hotel and everyone was going yeah myself and Mandy get out, there, get out there and all you could hear was oh <laughs> it mean, just keeps your feet firmly on the ground but oh, wee moments like that I think are you know meeting absolute you know heroes of your life whilst playing music um, and also just having opportunities to play in wonderful places you know so those have been my highlights I think
0: Oh, no, they're honestly incredible and I'm, I'm in awe because, like, for me, one of the highlights in mine, which was such a, you know, it, for some people, they might go, that's such out of my repertoire of work, they might go, that's quite simple, but one of my biggest highlights was always when I hosted Pride in 2019 because mm-hmm. I was doing well, I was DJing occasionally, the BBC doc had came out, but things weren't really picking up after that and I thought, oh, maybe I've peaked before I've even begun and they'd said, you want to host Pride because of this documentary and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, why not? Um, happily I'll do that. Wore this like rainbow track suit. Um, didn't even wear heels because it was quite good. Sort of, I'd planned that sort of um, chav aesthetic that I love to do. And I thought, thank God I did because I ended up really poorly that week. Cause it was always mm. ill time. And yeah, then I,
2: really...
0: I remember everyone saying to me, like, you know, that I posted a photo of me hosting. And everyone, you know, go on stage. I'm not going to go on stage and be like, oh, well, I'm ill. I made a joke like, oh, you have to excuse me if I seem a bit away with it. I didn't go to bed till six in the morning because I was on the session. People love that and thought that was funny. When yeah. I'm, really, I'm sitting thinking, like, I'm actually ill and I was up to like six in the morning coughing. Do you know what I mean, but when I posted, and I just remember that electric buzz of 20,000 people that, you know, it's, it is one of those little moments that I thought, 20,000 people are happy and I'm making these jokes and they're laughing and they're enjoying it. And I thought, I'm really poorly, but this has been such an incredible experience. And when I told everyone afterwards, oh, I was really ill, everyone was like, oh, you would never have known. And I thought, well, I've done mm-hmm. my job then. I've done my job. Um, so I totally get what you mean. And Candy's starting as well. Like, I hear that. I
1: know.
0: One of my favourite ones is um, the sample remix with the Frankie Knuckles, You Got the Love, and mm-hmm. Obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think I hear it every night. I hear it, I go, oh, what a belter. So, and it was the HMB Picture House, it would have been, I think, was That's it. right.
1: That's right. It was, yeah. And her band, I'll tell you this. I mean, she was great. Don't get me wrong, but her band were just—they were just phenomenal. Really? Just amazing. Yeah, just utterly amazing. And it's just when you see—and the same with Janice Ian's band as well. Who, while I was first I was doing my soundtrack in the Queen's Hall with for Janice Ian and her band, instead of them all being in the green room, they were all in the in, having a seat in the auditorium listening to me, and I was like, oh my god. That. It was quite, dope. but they loved it. You know, they were they were clapping away, and oh, the was really great. And Janiceine said to me, "I wish I could sing like that." Oh my God, like, oh, Jesus, not believe that.
0: Let's just take that in. You're supporting her, and she's saying, "I wish I could sing like you." Uh huh.
1: That yeah, I know, I know, I know. I was like that. Oh, stop it, Janice? Cry. Because no, I was. I was really. Because um... you know what the the thing about. Um, you know, these uh, quality musicians are, they're just really, generally really nice human beings. Yeah. And not a tall arse, you know, not a all up themselves or... Do
0: you know, it's so funny. So I had a mentor for years who was a drag queen and I mm-hmm. remember had said to me, I met Sophie Ellis Beckstar because I went, now this is one of those like weird universal things, right? That I had seen she was doing the Queens hall and I thought, oh, it's a Monday. I don't even, mm. why would I go? It's a Monday night. And my two friends, um, I'd shared on Facebook, is anyone going to this? I think it was actually only £10. And I thought, oh, £10, I could go. Mm-hmm. My two friends hadn't seen from high school in four years, commented, we're going to come along, was. I thought, I've not seen you in years, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, yeah, catch up. I went, oh, I don't know. And I remember saying to my like, flat, I went, I've got work tomorrow, like, it's quarter to eight, like, got to get up at quarter to eight, be there for about eight o'clock, half eight. I don't know if I was just—I wasn't drinking because I wasn't well—and I was like, uh. "You should go. You love her music. You love DJ and her music." I went. Maybe I went. Do you know what? I'll go. I got a ticket. Went the very last minute. I think forty minutes before she was actually going to start. I bolted up in a taxi, got there, and it was during the concert. She had started singing the song, and during the sort of instrumental middle bit, started giving this chat about a girl she knew who had met her, who sadly died of CF. Oh now, wow. And in there, like, what? Because this just randomly happened. So, at the end, like, she's going to be doing sign-ins for like photos, and I thought, I need to try and like meet her. I need to tell her that I have CF and how much that helped, because she was raising awareness. And at the end, she was taking donations for the CF Trust, and it was a people and they could get a signed like CD or whatever it is, like they could get a signed photo or a photo with her. So I was like, so I'm of course like putting my money in. I'm like to her, can I just say, actually, I actually have CF and I'm not very well. And I came here on a whim and I thought, that's actually weird. And she got a photo of me and started blethering away to me. And I just thought to myself, that's so beautiful. And I remember they had said to me, this drag queen, like, oh, she's an arsehole. She's pretentious. And I thought, nothing of the sort. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> interested in meeting her and and feeling like wow she was nothing of the sort and so relatable so down to earth and I told my mum and my mum was like I'm not surprised she's really nice she seems just like a really nice lassie I went no I actually was surprised that the queue was huge and she took about 10 minutes to talk to me and I thought she doesn't need to take this long and the fact that there were people started when but then they all looked a bit like what are they talking about? Because we were literally having an in-depth... She's like, so what's your treatment like? And are you keeping well? And how are you finding, like, you know, doing drag with that? And I was like, wow, you're actually taking the time to get to know me. Hey, hey. Well, do you know, I've heard her I've heard her being interviewed a couple of times
1: on Joe Wiley's programme on, Be- on Radio 2 um, about our lockdown disco and everything. You know, you, you know, what a great idea, you know, Um, she and her husband and our five kids or something and uh you know so and she's always seemed really pleasant so but my belief is to be honest geordie most people most people that are good at their craft are really quite pleasant
0: uh that's that (laughs) if they're good at their craft they're usually nice people i feel so i totally get you so you have mentioned you've had three albums i'm correct three albums Uh uh-huh can you chat me through sort of three of them? I know two of them very well because I listen to you on my Spotify, obviously. And I'm pronounce this correctly, but Ketow and one more time. Kowtow. Kowtow.
1: Kowtow is to bow down to, as to kowtow to somebody, you know what I mean? But it's more to do with... Uh... Yeah, OK, so I'll, I'll tell you the story of Kowtow. My first solo album, um, I was unsigned, uh, but it's, un- it's unusual to... At that time, not many folk were putting out albums when they were, but I just thought, sort of, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I'd met a few people that, that, that were obviously um, helpful in my, the process. Before that, my sister, who was writing stuff for TV and stuff at that point, had a Mac and had all the set up in her house, um, which I didn't have at all, uh, um. And uh, so I used to go through to hers every Thursday mm-hmm. and started my album there. Did it all on computer, um, and then transferred it to the studio at North Glasgow College um, onto ADAP, which was a form of uh, recording material as such. Uh, and then I did some recording there and sort of finished off with, uh, I did it at Ars De where the drums went down last. Uh, because I was then in the studio, did the rest of the vocals, did all my backing vocals. Um, cut long story short. Won't go into the detail too much, but Kowtow took a lot long time to come out mm. because the mixing process was, let's see, had a bit, I had a bit of bit of trouble with that with the studio <laughs> in Edinburgh, I because I thought i think I'll mix it in Edinburgh instead of going back and forward to Glasgow. Now living in Edinburgh and everything, um, and the studio in Edinburgh lost all the mixes of my of my album, ah. uh, which and wouldn't really give me time back for that. Ah. Um, and like you can imagine, the mixing process is quite it's quite uh quite, a, and I was on my own. You know, I was, I was doing this with. Just just me, myself, I, with the musicians that fortunately came in and played for me and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a bummer. And then that's when I'm that ra- wrecked my back. Anywho, cut long the short, eventually Kowtow came out. Um, and uh, I then, after that, I did a bit of touring with that and stuff. After that, I did an album called Just, which you can you can find all these albums on Bandcamp. Right, my my account on Bandcamp, um, all my back catalogue. Uh, just is an album. It's a live album of me on just 12, just the twelve string, and me doing some of my tunes and a couple of covers. I do Hallelujah. I did Hallelujah on that one before. I think, well, Jeff Buckley had done Hallelujah, but uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, but I don't think anybody else had really recorded it at that point. Um, I think, I'm not saying everybody heard mine. They, they thought they'd record it, but I'm sure everybody heard Jeff Buckley's version. And, but anyway, yes, so I did a cover of, uh, a couple of covers on that, and Just is, is a really sweet album. And when I, was, when I was touring, and sometimes I would just tour solo, and then it was probably one of the best selling albums I've had because people could then take home for what they'd just seen rather than mm. the full band thing. And then I went on to do One More Time. This has a story. Now, you've got to imagine that there's a few years in between these albums.
0: <laughs> yeah, gonna... Yeah,
1: Countdown came out in 2000 or something, I think, just came out in 2004. And One More Time does have a story. I went to see this, this man I mentioned earlier, on Eric Bibb, uh, who's a fantastic, just, a, just a fantastic live artist. My sister had, uh, I think Elaine C Smith had had him guesting on her show um, on STV that there was a, they had on BBC might have, I don't know B, yeah. Scottish television. And my sister had been playing keys on on that gig. Uh, and she met him, so we went to see him in a gig. So a friendship sort of evolved, sort of. He then came to tour again because he tours something like 300 days of the year. He's an American guy who lives in Scandinavia. Um, and uh, I went, after the gig, we all went to that, uh, there's a hotel down the grass market. Um, anyway, we went and have a drink in there. And, of course, he had his guitar there. And I said, oh, give us a tune, Lorna, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I gave him a tune. Fortunately, my sister was there and my backing singer was there as well. So we did do quite a good thing. And he said to me, right, that's it. I'm going to produce your new album. That's it. You're just wonderful. Love what you do. Wow. And a couple of months later, he came up to Edinburgh and we went into the Sound Cafe, uh, which is just outside Penacook. And uh, with Dave Gray and we recorded. He wanted to have a live thing, and we recorded some of the tunes live. He was going to come back and produce, but he was off. He was doing his thing. He does. So I continued that process, and I brought it one more time. So, uh, wow. which is very much. Uh, but if it wasn't for Eddie, because he paid for that first session to, oh, yeah. for the first three songs to go down. So as you know, people are nice. People are nice. They can be nice. <laughs>
0: it's difficult to find, like, the diamonds in the rough. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to find Ooh. the people who actually are nice in the world. There's not that many, but I think there are people sent here to help other people, and I think there are people that do it with the right intention. I'm not a big person that looks at intention of things, and I think that's so true. I mean, for me, kowtow very much with songs when I listen to them. I've listened to them loads, but that album I really connected with, and... I think it was more sort of the lyric sense and sort of what the songs were about. I just went, I really, really can connect as a singer myself, but as Mm. someone looking at potentially writing lyrics now and and thinking about writing music, I just thought this album I really connect with one more time as well. Absolutely incredible. And I know that we're very lucky that you're going to let us play at the end of the episode, your sort of revamped version of Soothe Me that's from originally from Cowtow, but you've modernised it, haven't you?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I, I came across what was coaching um, the three guys in, a, in, a, in an Edinburgh band who used to be called The Scolist and I called Stillhound, came to me for coaching the three of them, lovely guys, Dave Boyd, uh, Laurie and Fergus Singer. Uh, and I, I just I just lovely lovely folk,. Right, um, They came to me for coaching quite a bit, just three of them together, working their harmonies and stuff, and uh, they were getting quite a bit of success. Astroscopolis and Stillhound, um, and Dave uh, opened a studio down at Milk on Great Junction Street and uh, Lost Oscillation, and I used to bump into him loads of times, you know, loads of times, he also just lives around the corner from me now, and I bumped into him numerous occasions and sometimes after a wee, wee appetite I'd bump in and say, oh, that's just wrong with you know, He just thought I was just a vocal coach, which, nothing wrong with just being a vocal coach, but I wasn't just a vocal coach. Mm-hmm. And um, so eventually, two years later, I said, right, Dave, I'm going to come down and do a, do a track here. Let's see what happens. Because they're very much electronic and, you know, totally different vibe from um, what... I've always been into electronic stuff, but um, Blue Nile and, you know, the Massive Attack and stuff, you know, so...
0: It's funny you say that because when I had text you last night, like this version of "Soothe Me" is just my vibe right now because I'm quite burnt out this week, and mm. it did remind me of people like Massive Attack, Soul to Soul. You know, that's sort our of trip hop nineties vibes that I obviously get behind. Mm. I had- mm. God, this is the perfect song to just downtime at night time. I loved listening to it, um, and yeah, I- well, a lot of
1: that was a lot of that is down to, to Dave Oscillation Lloyd. Lloyd. Um, he's yeah, we just. It was probably one of the most relaxed times I've had in a studio. Wow! Um, you know, just I think that's got a lot to do with age well, and, and and experience, and also, he's, he's a sweet sweet guy. He's just lovely to work with. Um, and I just went down, played. I wanted to chill. I wanted to slow it down quite a bit, and uh, so I played it live, uh, whatever on guitar and vocals, and then left him to working it for a while. Then I went back down and I put some keys down. And uh, and then he said, How about you do some electric guitar on it? I thought, Well, oh, I not really. Sometimes I play. I used to play electric guitar, but I don't really play it. So I put some electric guitar on it. And then I just left it with him. Yeah. Um, I think at my bank did some back and forth or something. And then I just left it with him for a week or two. And then he sent me that. And I thought, Do you know what? That is sweet. I like that. It really reminds me, actually, of the. I mean, maybe I'm speaking beyond. <laughs> The, uh, the realm here where uh, the soundtrack to the first Blade Runner film, um, which has just some beautiful music in it, you know, it's very, very electronic, big pads and, you know, and I, I just love the vibe, I do really love the vibe of it, yeah. and it's amazing I can still sing at this age, so.
0: Well, of course, you can start helping me sing now. So, <laughs> doesn't mean to say I don't have to be a
1: good singer to help you sing. Though.
0: Nah, but you are, you're incredible. So, you know, for me, what sort of these albums are just absolutely brilliant. And i have hearing, Thank you. I'm now going to go and check out, you know, what sort of I think, you know, I'm not going to try and sort of work out your aesthetic. I want you to give me your aesthetic. But if I were to kind of look at you, I would take. Joni Mitchell, and kind of mix her with, is it, I can never pronounce her name, like Joan Armitang, or Tag?
1: Armitraiding.
0: Armitraiding, that's it.
1: Well, I'll
0: carry on. You took them two and you mixed them up, I get you, but I'm intrigued to see what sort of musicians inspired you, and I feel like you've got a story for me, but what sort of musicians inspired you when you were making music, and sort of you were becoming yourself, obviously, and you were doing your own thing?
1: Well... um, Without a doubt, uh, funny you should mention Joan Trading. Um I, as I said to you, when I first started out as a sort singer-songwriter, after being in the bands and stuff, I was on 12-string, and I sat and watched a documentary. Um, I remember living in my sister's flat. She was away off. She just got divorced and ran away to do cruise ships for a while. And, uh, so I was staying in her flat in Partick and Glasgow, and I'm watching this documentary about Joan Armer Trading and how she uses her guitar as a sort of percussive instrument and I thought hey this is cool and uh, so she definitely influenced my guitar playing um, without a doubt. Um, Other people that um, when I was in bands uh, I was influenced by people at Talking Heads and that's it's groovetastic I love a groove you know I just love a groove and even my acoustic stuff all has a groove it's not you know it's not you, can, you know, you can't help but sort of move to it and stuff. Um, Carol King, my piano playing is completely down to the way that Carol King plays piano. I just love Carol King's music. Uh, the Indigo Girls, I don't know if you know who they are, but they are an American duo who um, had just... It's like they're the they're, they're conjoined twins, but no, because <laughs> they do an incredible harmonies. Guitar, guitar Americana type thing, uh, and uh, I think all, all of that mix, I think with my dad, listening to jazz as well. I mean, you can't who can't like Ella Fitzgerald and I was never really into, um, uh, Billy Holiday. Yeah, I wasn't really. She didn't. Thank you, she didn't touch me as much. But the, it's a voice thing. I mm. to be honest. Those that influenced me in my years are, I have to have a great voice and great songs. George Michael, for one. Oh, I yeah. love George. Yeah,
0: music was just incredible.
1: He could, he could just sing me to sleep every night if he wanted to, do, but obviously he can't do that now, sadly. But yeah, people like that, Geordie. Just, you know, it's... I think the more that you listen to, um, just... I've got really good ears, so, I, you know, I hear we wee I think, all oh, right, okay, like that, like that. And, uh, yeah, so there you go.
0: Are there any musicians, this is the next question I've got for you then, are there any, it's a difficult one to navigate, I guess, because I speak to a lot of musicians just now, my friend Natasha Kitty Cat was on literally last week, and she was, mm. when she started Ghetto Disco Records, that was because she wanted to create her music with her own artistic control and didn't want to be commercialising herself. And I was, all right. And she said, you know, I don't, I'm a disco house DJ, but I'm not going to be playing pop songs. That's not my vibe. And I was like, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, mm. So I'm intrigued to see, you know, are there any modern sort of 2021 20, musicians that you quite like and you enjoy that you think are quite interesting? Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, um, Leanne LaHavis Le is one that I just, I, I adore her. Uh, she, she's a great guitarist. She's a great singer. She's great, well, I think she played piano as well. Uh, Jess Glynn is who I cook to, I love a bit of Jess. Really? I do, I do. I, love, I just love her vibe of... I love the production on her tracks. I just think, you know, they're just cheery stuff, you know, and she's, she's some singer. Um, Brandi Carlisle, do you know? She's a country artist.
0: I don't, but I could go and have a wee research, but... Yeah,
1: yeah, she's... Uh, I'm not really into country, I must admit. I find... Which is it's wrong of me to say some country music is fantastic, um, but it's doesn't really. But Brandi voice—it's a voice. Sarah Bareilles as well. Do you oh. know Sarah Bareilles? You wrote the musical. Uh, I just—I uh, love her. I've loved her since. Uh, I suppose she's not really now. Well, she's now because she's written the musical *The Waitress*, so she's she's making a resurgence. you know? So uh,
0: yeah, I. I I really wanted to potentially cover. Um, she used to be mine, like absolute.
2: Mm.
0: Like I love her version a little bit more than Waitress because I'm not a massive musical fan, but that mm-hmm. she's wrote that. I also love song by her, like is one. Ah, it's song. Like
2: you
0: I, uh, put it, put that it. song reminds me of being like 16, 17 in my mum's mm. on in the morning, like when I was getting ready for school. I must be cursed. She probably went to kill me, but like, honest that song actually but and then i remember glee doing this terrible glee glee had kind of went i mean a lot of people don't like glee but i at the time loved glee until after season three and i went like the ship has sailed let it go away do you know what i mean Let it leave. Mm. and there's no an anchor for this <laughs> do you know what i mean That's and true. they had this episode where it was the main character was going to sort of do a topless movie and they were like you can't do this this is gonna ruin your career and i remember sitting thinking it's not really like you're gonna ruin your career <laughs> But they did love song and so mm. this makes absolutely no sense but i still love the song and it's 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 a beautiful it's the piano they do not yeah yeah it's great yeah. the moment i hear it i go that's it it's the piano at the beginning that i'm just sold because i can't play piano so i just anytime i hear piano i get excited when i'm doing this track actually for the ableton course like I was like looking at things like Alison Limerick, where love lives, where I was like, I want that piano, mm. dun, 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 dun. I want a piano to come in, and people all go, oh my god, what is this track? So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so totally. So, it's interesting here and who kind of influences you now, like Jess Glynn especially actually, you know, um, <laughs> and I love one of her. She gets a bad
1: press, but I mean, do you know, I think she was a, the best-selling female artist in, in 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 the UK over over Adele actually. You know, um, which, you know, I mean, hats off to good music, it's just feel good
0: music, you yeah. um, know. She opened for the Spice Girls, and I went to Spice Girls in 2019, I think it was summer actually, just after Pride in July.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And she um, opened for them, and I have remember thinking myself, I don't know if I, I've never listened to her. I only knew mm. her from when she had the song with Route 9 Four, which was my love, because she sung the house vocal, and I went, oh, that voice, is, I love it, it's beautiful. Um, but then when she'd done Don't Hold My, like, hold my Hand, uh, i had heard it, I used to DJ in Hive many years ago, and mm-hmm. I'd the song that got played, and I'd go, oh, I'm sick of hearing this now, get this. Mm-hmm. But I now love it, now that I don't hear it all the time in work. But she'd done, the reason I fell in love with her music was she did this song, I'd be lying if I say I can remember what it's called, I'll try, but it's, she sampled Kings of Tomorrow, finally, and it's got the dun, dun 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 from the bass at the beginning, and I went, "All right, okay." Oh, I love that song, like, and I can't mm-hmm. really like try and remember what it's called. But that was when I fell in love with her. cause I went, "Oh, there's actually a bit of like production went into this that you've taken a sample from a well-known house track that everyone yeah. loves from the '90s, and you've made it your own." And I thought, "That's what I like. Like, it's just." Well, there's one that
1: there was one that she did. Um, I mean, it's probably down to the producer, but I mean, uh, it's it was started, I can't remember what it's called either swimming but it started off it was like real like nina simone's yeah. and I, um and i thought oh god i just love that and it was i don't know if it was a huge hit or anything but i just things like that they just make me happy when i'm cooking you
0: know? it, is, it is a happy energy and the thing is it was called all i am i remember that love um, right. one touch you know with just one touch you. Mm-hmm. I love that, and that's a beautiful song. But like, it's because when I saw her, I then actually had a bit more time and respect for music because I went, Oh, she's quite charismatic and charming as a performer. Like, she mm-hmm. got involved, she was so relaxed, she just looked very happy. And I thought, That's, that's what you want, do you know what I mean? Especially the fucking Spice Girls, where let's face it, half of them can't even sing. Like, <laughs> do you know what, yeah, what I sure. mean? Yeah, yeah. Love them. You know.
1: Maybe that he's a good vocal coach.
0: <laughs> Could link you up. Let's <laughs> go on phones. You're, right, you're all right. Know that I'm friends with. <laughs> know that I'm friends with Jerry Light. Like. <sighs> um, aye, so it's it's such a, a difficult time with the pandemic. I would love to hear what it's been like. You know, I'm sure you might have to remain a little bit impartial because I am one of your students. But what's it been like for you as a vocal coach teaching singing online? You'll feel free to be as honest as you like because it's been a hard. No, I
1: will be. I will be. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, well, the, the 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 saddest thing for me was that um, I hadn't because I'd I'd had this job where uh, for the last two three years I was a composer for a theatre company in Dubai, and uh, through a guy from in Glasgow, Kevin Rooney, um, and I was loving that and it was actually bringing me in quite a bit of money. So I thought I'll do a new album, twenty twenty. Hence why I worked with Dave, yep. uh, Dave Lloyd, and uh, so when that when things changed last March, obviously all that work went uh, there was no future obviously of any work like that uh, any music work that I was doing had gone uh, so I I did, I picked up the phone to the Scottish Music Centre who I've worked with in the past on, on projects like Music Plus and uh, they do another one called Music Cares and obviously some private clients as well Now, at first I was quite reticent about going on to do online lessons because I think one of the things that I that, that helps me to um, really enjoy coaching is that I play for accompany most people you know whether it's accompanying them on piano or guitar um just to uh, there's a, quite a lot of musical input for me as well as obviously still I don't like really like working my backing tracks and I don't think a singer gets the it, it's better for a singer to learn without backing tracks so that they can get a feel of things a bit better, hear themselves a bit better, you can strip it back, you can whatever. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, um, but I thought, Jesus, I've got to earn some money. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I started working online and thankfully I, I met the likes of yourself. And uh, and it took a wee while to get used to. um obviously the the problems with internet, uh, the delay problems with singing, the obviously, I can still teach technique and things, mm-hmm. but my musical input is sort of gone. <laughs> so I find it um I'll be very grateful for all the work. I mean, I'll still have private clients and i I'll, I'll always have private clients. And the projects that I'm working on just now for the Scottish Media Centre at Canada, I'm really grateful for. Um, and thank... Oh, I just thank the Lord for them. The Lord, you know what I mean. and uh, But I find it quite intensive because it's all one-to-one. Everything I do online is one-to-one. And I'll, some of it's with quite young people. Um, so to try and keep them interested in an hour, how are you doing today... No answer, you know And so you're not just Teaching them how to sing You are picking them up Making them feel a bit better about things I also teach one I do teach I uh, have done for the last eight years I uh, teach at uh, the City of Edinburgh Music School So that's also been online One to one So some days When you know when you're asking me What influences me now in music actually, when, I, when I'm finished at the end of the day last thing I want to hear is any music was ever and I hardly have played anything either so um, it's, it's, it is what it is um, it's not the same at all I can't wait to get back in person coaching yeah. uh, that side of life because it's, it's very hands on as well which you can't do you, know, you can sort of see if people are, you can hear if people are doing things right or wrong but to physically watch how people do things sometimes you do miss things uh, while, while coaching online
0: you know so yeah it's interesting because when i had my first and my only live lesson i guess with you down at the studios you were in and mm-hmm. you were um like i loved working with you i felt the energy exchange at the time i felt i finally i'd went to a vocal coach before you in 2017 but i didn't really gel i didn't really get into they weren't get helping what i needed and i thought oh no you're you're very good for me i think this will help this will work And then obviously the pandemic hit and I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, just have found someone good. Like, Mm -hmm. it's me and the music I like. And that happened. But I remember not hands-on, but very much, you were like, you're not doing this and you were showing me the bagpipe. Mm. You were showing me physically. And I think the only thing I've ever felt that I'm excited by actually about live uh, lessons with you will be that you'll be able to see if physically I'm not doing it. Because you can see on camera and say, I don't think you are doing this. And I'm like, right, Mm. let yeah. but in a room you would see it you would be able oh, to
1: totally, f- yeah
2: yeah
0: thing i felt is you know i'm so glad that i've been doing youtube covers now and i'm putting myself out there and trying to you know, make more music and stuff and i know you'll help mentor and loads of things i'm doing but i am very much what i will be nervous and anticipating is live performing isn't the same as i can record me like if i was in a studio and i can then it and then dub it for a YouTube video but it's not the same as being on stage doing it live and and not mm-hmm. I'd probably shit myself if I just went on stage and sung in front of people I'd be like oh I can't do this so that coaching as well is what I'll be missing about right singing mm-hmm. if you're on stage and me doing it and they'd be like right this you need to think about this and this and I'd be like right cool cool so I totally agree and I've worked with younger people than myself who've been in their teens when we were doing the On Fife Cultural Trust project and it was it was very hard for me to navigate with the two other producers. We're sitting and I thought to myself like, you don't know if they're enjoying it because they're younger and bless them, they, talking to my friends that are actually high school teachers and mm-hmm. as a lecturer at uni, you know, it, you can't push if they don't want to really ignore, um, interact, but it's hard to work out. And I think it's incredible you've been managing to do it. I think, honestly, I really do. Role model that kind of um, resilience in a way, um, but what have you been doing to cope as well? I know you, like me, have had quite an up and down year, and one of the questions mm-hmm. up to my guests are sort of what sort of stuff have they been doing to cope, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well. First and foremost, uh, drinking far too much wine or beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Malacca. Anywho, uh, and I'll get a shot downstairs, which is just terrible. But apart from that, I'm, I'm really, really lucky. My partner in life uh, is uh, a specialist in stress and anxiety, and also a trainer in mental health, yeah. uh, and also a great buffer. For, you know, um, so I I've 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 learnt a lot of tricks to get for mental health. Doesn't mean to say I don't have my bad days. Don't get me wrong. You know, I I'm also menopausal, so I've been crying like a baby a lot of the time. <laughs> Best to let it out though. <laughs> and uh, but I did have a whole day yesterday like crying, so that was quite weird. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I've been I'm I'm very lucky that. I've I've just got advice as to how to you know and and there are tricks that you can use you know there's tri- are tips and tricks how you know to change your your mindset and uh, but I'm not by any means saying it's been easy because I really think it's been hellish.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say I think for me as well you know I've had. Um and such an up and down thing that I've always mm-hmm. really appreciated that when I've came into lessons and said to you things aren't going well, because you're seeing behind the scenes, you know, Facebook, Instagram, or me doing jobs, yeah, things are going well, but you kind of see I come in and go, my head's up, Mars. I'm just not feeling it this week, I'm not feeling great. And you're like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, this and this and this. Because I don't mm-hmm. want to eat it on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I just want to be like
2: putting
0: yeah. my work out there, but keep my personal life for me. So I think um, I totally understand what you mean, how difficult it can be, and it has been up and down. Um, Mandy, obviously, I don't know if you're comfortable with me sharing this, but obviously she does look, uh, take clients on, doesn't she? Would you want to like... She does,
1: yeah, yeah, sure. Her company's called Life. dot uk. She's uh, just fantastic at what she does, you know. She works out at 4th Street, therapy center, on 4th Street and also online, so yeah. If was, you need any help, then she's she's wonderful to you said
0: hunky dory life, yeah. Hunky dory
1: life.co.uk.
0: Yeah. We have yes. to give her a shout out because like I went to I spoke to you about this. Obviously, I went to a therapist on Zoom mm-hmm. that I prior to the pandemic. And the work that I, you know, I remember at the very end last session, we'd had that sort of goodbye session, and I'd said to her, you know, like hats off to you for doing this with me. And she said, why? And I was like, Well, Neeks counselling service and leaf had offered me stuff but it was on the phone and i thought it is it is great that they're offering that as an alternative but it's it's very difficult to read people on a phone call do you know what i mean and she was like oh no like i just and she did say you know when obviously it was allowed she was having clients in you know she kept me as a zoom Mm -hmm. one because the risk for me was cf but she had said you know thank you for that i mean no like everyone is adapting even therapists are adapting Mm -hmm. It's not easy for them either, so I think giving her a shout out, I wanted to make sure I did that. I think
1: some, some things are maybe wrong here, but some things are maybe transferable. You know, if people are in a job where they're on a computer all day anyway, do you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, they're, they're, all, they're doing it from home, which makes it harder, don't get me wrong, but I think any interactive people uh, kind of job, you know, is, is quite hard to try and transfer to, to this online Lifestyle, and I do not want it to remain like this. I know. Neither- Some people are quite happy to remain like this, but i
0: absolutely not. I mean, if you've got a piano, if it comes to I will come and just do classes in your like house. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like,
1: you're more than welcome.
0: So you know, you are obviously a vocal coach, and you've been involved with schools and universities and colleges. You know, what would you say to? Um, musicians and young students right now that are maybe going through it and thinking, I don't know if I want to pursue this. What would you say to them as sort of wisdom?
1: Well, I do. I'm a mentor for this for the Music Plus, which is for fourteen to nineteen year olds who are interested in the music industry. Um, I would suggest that uh, the okay, it's a tough one. You know, um, mm-hmm. do you follow a career? Do you go and get further education? in in music when there are very few courses in Scotland now to be honest. There are some good ones, don't get me wrong, but do you just do you follow your passion and go into higher education or do you just get out there and do it? Which is a difficult thing to say at the moment. But um with young people should be really savvy with social media, you know, I've had to sort of I mean you are, you know, you're on you're on everything, you know, every every, you know, Twitter, or whatever, all these things and And I think if you can, if you believe in what you, if you believe in what you're doing, then do follow your dream. I think it's, uh, I think in some ways, because of social media, it's easier to attract fans and whatever to what you're doing. And in other ways, here's the negative, Mm -hmm. streaming and things, Spotify, Spotify. I don't know. There's been an awful lot of press in the last three months about the meetings with the music industry and the musicians' union about the amount of money that people don't get from their streaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, I I used to say to people, if anything, get into songwriting. It's you know that's where the money is. But then I read an article two days ago about you know big songwriters. I mean, songwriters who have had huge hits that are the record labels to take the piss, you know, and they're getting something like 2% of the royalties for the, for the songs, and you just think, oh my God, what's happened? It's a very, very... Um, if you are lucky, it's it's a great business. If you are totally... Um, if you have conviction in what you do, then do it. You know, do it, without a doubt. Um... But it's, it's hard, that's all I'm going to say. It's a, hard, it's a hard life. don't think it's going to be easy. It's like being an actor, you know. So I don't think being an actor is, is... You know, any of the arts, to be fair, anybody working in the arts, it's a hard life. It's not easy. If you get a bit of luck and financial reward from that, then bring it on. But I know so many artists, so many actors who struggle, you know. They, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years, and it's. I'm just lucky. That's why I diversified, you know. That's why, I could, because I was lucky enough because I do play a lot of instruments, and I did learn about coaching and stuff. That, um, So to young people, learn as much as you can. Do as much as you can. Uh, don't just think that because you're a singer that everyone can sing. Mm. If you can speak, you can sing, right? But you have to be good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you oh. know, follow your dream and do it. The likes of what you've done, geordie and um, you know, I I I take my hat off to you. Your conviction and everything. You are, you know, you right. I'm going to do this. So I'm going to go and learn about this, and I'm going to go and you know. So then I'll do this. And you came to me for coaching because you wanted to be able to sing. Um, you're learning about music now. You're DJing. You know all the things, and you're an actor, and you're learning. And you went to art school afterwards. and Did your MA, and you know, and you think that's what you have to do. Don't just sit back and don't just sit back and wait for somebody to come knocking on your door about your talent. Mm. You know, you have to continue learning, and you have to um, get yourself out there. As much as, I know a lot of musicians are maybe hide away a wee bit, but, uh, and actors. Yep. People, a lot of actors are actors, so they don't have to look at themselves.
0: <laughs> totally, spoken so. a true Scorpio, like spoken like a true Scorpio, I felt, felt yeah. that. And that yeah. was lovely, as my mentor and like vocal coach, thank you, I really actually valued that, that was really lovely. I've got
1: huge respect for you, Tordy. what you're doing, I really do.
0: Thank you. And I'm not
1: just saying that because we're sitting here, you know. <laughs>
0: No, I know. I'll oh go on a more yeah. positive and fun. Huh. No- so what to this day then is, if I could ask you one, or if you need a top three, I will give you a top three. What is your favorite live performance you've ever done? It's a hard question.
1: It is actually, but do you know what I love the intimate gigs? I love I you know, when you can see people's I mean, I've I've played in many big venues, you know. As I say, thousands of people at whatever festivals and prides and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, I just like it up close and personal, to be honest, and the music. No, I'm joking. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before the pandemic, as well, I was running um, in uh, Brig below, mm-hmm. uh, which which is no longer sadly, but um, before the pandemic, oh. um, I was running. Every three months, I was running Lorna Brooks Plus in there, um, which I would uh, invite another artist. And it literally was myself and maybe one other person, maybe a backing vocals or whatever, or or just me with another artist would do their set. People were... It was like an old... If you know if people were still smoking it, would be like a really smoky wee sort of cabaret time Cabaret in the old sense of New York cabaret bar, you know.
0: Very you, very you, like...
1: Yeah, and I just love that interaction that you can have. You can sort of chat with folk and, and, uh, and play music as if they're in your living room. I, I just love that feeling of that. And um, so <clears throat> I would say that some of them have been... I mean, any but then it is hard because I've, I've played in venues that I think, oh, my God, the Royal Concert Hall have been in there and, you know, venues that you think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in the rock. I'm in the Festival Theatre. You know, I'm, I'm at... <laughs> you know things like that in, in Scotland where you think oh my god I've played all the all the venues that I've ever wanted to play in. and, and uh, so they're all special but yeah I do I do. the up close and personal I think are just lovely
0: Brilliant I actually dj at Barbriggs so I know what you're meaning about that intimate mm. set so it is a lovely beautiful space um, so I do understand and I know what you mean that I've been doing this digital drag show on Twitch called the House of Liability and we've mm-hmm. had venues actually want to do it live, and I'd say to my pals, you know, the setting um, for me, it wouldn't be like, because I've had a couple of people ask me for pitches and stuff, and and I was like, it's not going to be one of those drag race type shows that you go and everyone stands, like a, like a concert and no, all, it's more of an intimate mm-hmm. tables and chairs, everyone watching a cabaret, mm-hmm. that's my vibe, and I totally get what you mean. We are all going to come to a Lorna Brooks set, and tell me a couple of songs that I'd expect you to sing, Obviously, one or two of your own, but covers particularly, like if you were doing a set, what would I expect to hear?
1: Well, I don't often do covers, to be honest, but I, I, I have thrown some into my set over the last few while. Uh, the, John Martin, uh, May Univer. Um, he's a fantastic guitarist, and it's, it's such a great song. I've, I've done a version of that. Uh, I'm actually gigging in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be doing um, a cover of a uh, Angie Baby, which is a song I learned. Angie Baby by, by Helen Reddy. Helen Reddy, I don't know if you know if you'll know who Angie, Helen Reddy was. She sadly died last year during COVID, and I was going to do a tribute thing to her anyway. And one of her songs, Angie Baby, is a song that when I I don't know why it was it totally influenced my life. I heard it on the radio. And uh, so I'm going to do that as a wee tribute to Helen Reddy. I've obviously covered Hallelujah, uh, the Josh Buckley version. Um, I have also covered The Joke by Brandy Carlyle. That's a piano Mm. song. Um, You know, when I was to you about the joy about coaching, live coaching, is that I hear fantastic songs I've never heard before and I get to play them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm... quite a smart arse when it comes to, you know if somebody comes in the studio and they say, oh, I've got this song and I can you know, I can just have a wee listen to it and then I can play it, I'm quite good at that sort of thing I know, it's terribly smart of me <laughs> and and I just go, okay, not all of them, not everything, but you know get a wee chord chart written and off we go you know, so um, uh, so those are those are the kind of songs I I, I tend to mix it up a wee bit, you know, there might be um how Deep Is Your Love as well is another song that I have covered in a jar it's a beautiful song you know I don't particularly like the B G voices but what a tune so if I find a good song that's it basically Jordy, a good song but I'm not a big cover freak I don't um, I'll throw them in every now and again and over the years when I have done a cover and then some some buggers always come along and and done it in the pop charts or something. I remember I did a big gig in Glasgow. It was called Soul Sisters, and I did a version of um, "I Love You, Baby," and if it's quite all right, because there's this they had a house band, so you could do whatever you wanted. And I really sort of grunged it up a wee bit, and you know, and next thing you know, six months later, it was in the charts with somebody else doing a cover of and I thought eh, I was doing that. I don't like to do songs that everybody's covering.
0: You know? Trendsetter. Clearly a trendsetter, though. Like
1: Oh, totally me. Totally. I can see... Like, that. They're going to ah, they're like, well, listen to that Lorna Brooks track. I'm going to cover that.
0: If you <laughs> see for your tracks on your EPs then, if I had to ask you, this is a difficult one, but if there was one now, because you wrote them years ago, right? If there was one now that you really still connect with, which one would it be? Or all of them?
1: No, I don't connect with all of them. I must admit, um, i I'll say something to you, where um, a lot of, like, on cowtown as well, I was really struggling about being gay. And um, it was very different times as well. You know, I didn't want anybody to know I was gay. Um, and, and I had come out quite late in life. Um, And so, uh, like, the likes of the song Tender uh, is a bit about hiding away and whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, but I still connect to it because I wrote it because of... But then, exactly, there that song Tender is so relevant now to anybody feeling a bit tender about everything that's going on um, with the yeah, yeah. the wonderful, oh, let's not get political, but the wonderful Tories and stuff, yeah. Well, um, sorry, did I something caught in my teeth there?
0: <laughs> no, you're, you know, it's interesting because I listened, obviously, to the songs last night mm-hmm. and I totally pick up on that, actually. It's, it's really interesting, you know. Something I'd like to ask is, you know, what are your... It's hard to ask this, and if you're like, gal, I've got none, then totally fine, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people I've got on the podcast have said, you know, what are your goals when things open up again and things go back to normal? And that could be work or life, you know, have you got any goals that you want to try and fulfil this year?
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, I would say you know, I would move, um, to move to a of thoughts. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we need to move. We need to move house. I want a house, I want a garden want my doggie, you know, he's, I want him to be able to just stroll out to the garden and not go down the downstairs. Uh, I would love to do a new album um, and, and Dave Lloyd on that or maybe a collaboration with other people as well. Um, and doing... One of the things that became very apparent to me, uh, Geordie is that uh, during COVID, I thought, my God, if anything's to me, will anybody know that I've done all this music, because I was great at creating music, doing the CDs, doing the albums, getting it together, you know, unfinanced, and, uh, you know, and, uh, but I've been a terrible promoter of my music. I'm not a manager. I don't have those kind of skills. I ain't no salesperson, and uh, so, and I used to sort of do all the work, get the albums, and then... Hide them under my bed, <laughs> or whatever you know. There was a time I got quite a lot of radio play from the Radio Scotland and stuff like that because un- unsigned artists, it's a difficult. It's difficult to get airplay on on uh, on major radio stations, and Radio Scotland just be very good to me. Um, but um, so part of my goal is to not hide away. And you know, do you kind know, of thank you for asking me to do this. Just trying to know that Lorna Brooks has created quite a lot of music in her day, and I sing quite well as well. You know, if you like a good singer, then you might enjoy what I do. Um, uh, so that's my goal: is to not hide away. So there you go. Show sure. there you. That's two minutes. Hello, I'm here. I've done all this work, darlings. So that was very theatrical. Then I have
0: worked with these, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, one of the questions we ask for season three of Afternoon Delight that every guest gets asked is that one moment of hope where you know things weren't going well. It could be a low point in your life, or it could just be the pandemic in general. It's fully free to however you want to answer that. But we ask our guests look at one moment that things weren't great and hope got you through it. And I would love for you to share your story on that.
1: Okay. Um. Yep, I would suggest that uh, after, one, after doing the album one more time, uh, where I really was so proud of the work, blah, 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 and I thought, well, this is it, my life's going to change now. It's wonderful, great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then I lost my mum suddenly. and what, what? You know, she'd be so upset with the fact that I actually lost it for a while. I just lost my mojo. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to play, um and I think it took a wee while for Hope to to turn it around. I think that, I mean, it's ridiculous. I'd already lost my dad, and it was fine. And I remember there was a singer-songwriter, Rabban, who's been around for a long time and a um, great guy. You know, and I, I remember him phoning me. I was in John Lewis looking for something to wear you know. And he said, oh, Laura, that's you. That's your orphan now, you know. i will going to be becoming an orphan. I was like, But... Um, throughout all, I don't know how much I drive, I don't know where it's come from, um, and hope that I will be able to do, hope that I'll be able to continue to show off my skills, hope that I stay healthy, hope that I stay madly in love with my partner I've been with for 29 years, hope that, you know, life just doesn't get too difficult. And throughout this year, I think a lot of people have found it hard to have hope. Mm. Um, but we have to. We're all very volatile, you know. We we, we topsy turvy lives, you know. Or uh, especially, I think, working in the arts. I'm not making a special, but I'm just saying, because of the the, it's hard to to to, to believe. You know, I think belief and hope are the same thing, so.
0: And I'm so glad you've said that because that was why I made hope the theme for this season. Because obviously season two, we did gratitude and we did what 2020 taught us and what we were grateful for this year. And for the first season, it was just a case of how had the pandemic affected you's work? So... Mm make it well hope you know is hopefully coming vaccines are being rolled out things are opening numbers are going down so i totally get you and resilience and having that hope we need it we need it in everyday life and before we end the episode where can people follow your work on social media and have you got a website that you can promote i do
1: have a website which is lornabrooks.com. Um, on there you can uh, read some stuff about me, You can there's links to my Bandcamp page which uh, all my, I said earlier say on, all the work apart from the, the two year project that I did, that album, Brooks, is, is not there sadly. but um, I'm also on Spotify but recently I've been like that, oh good Bandcamp, good back. <laughs> because Bandcamp also every first Friday of the month I think during this pandemic they waive all, all fees so
0: brilliant mm-hmm. it's been such an absolute pleasure getting to interview and get to know more of your story we end every episode of Afternoon Delight with an inspiring quote that you bring each guest brings their own, it can be a quote from themselves, a lyric of their own music or it could be a, a mantra or affirmation to follow and I would love for you to share your quote before we finish up
1: I've always said it for years now, um, and it's really simple. It's just, it's just onwards and upwards. Um, be kind, and have respect.
0: Wow. To the point, brilliantly. Amazing,
1: yeah.
0: Lorna. It's been such an absolute delight having you on Afternoon Delight. I'm so glad. It's
1: been delight. It's been delightful to, to be here, Jordy. Honestly, thank you
0: what an absolute treat for all of you this Sunday. And in general, for me, getting to know Lorna on such a personal and in-depth level, I really can't begin to say how much I admired being part of that interview and getting to conduct and host that. I felt like I was living my absolute Oprah fantasy, learning things that I did not realise. Some of the things that really striked with me were the fact that, Lorna is so modest and done some amazing, incredible gigs and events like myself that we often, I think, don't ever like to showboat and be sort of... We get in the arts, I think, sort of labelled as egotistic, and I don't think we are at all. And, And I've often thought the best people in this industry, like Lorna said, the nicest people are the ones that are the most relatable and realistic and not inflated in the slightest. Also hearing that our partner, Mandy, who runs Hunky Dory Life, Is also a life coach, and I've I've watched one of Mandy's videos on YouTube where she gave a seminar, and I thought really needed right now. So thank you to Mandy for continuing to do the incredible work she does. Thank you to Lorna for helping guide me along the way in my career. You know, I know for a fact that there's been several interviews or discussions I've had with people where I've never stopped name dropping her as my vocal coach, and I meant every word when I said you know she had been an anchor for me. last six months really properly and when things were going really bad and one of the one of the best pieces of advice she ever gave me when I was working with well-known established organizations and I was getting frustrated was you know just bide your time be respectful onwards and upwards and that helped because I'm now in the next two weeks dropping a professional piece of work and I think that piece of advice at the end was perfect for her Um, it's such a lovely sentimental thing for me but my nana who is no longer here who passed away when I was about 16 was a Scorpio so I feel like for some reason I've got this lovely healing property of having Lorna as a vocal coach her music is something that I do relate with completely we've spoken after the interview about potentially um, writing and doing a song together, I'd love to do a ballad that's just a piano because I can't play piano and you know, maybe Lorna could show me how to play some chords (laughs) And The Carpenters, let me tell you, a song for you, still one of my favorite songs, my favorite love song will always be a song for you. When I had sent her my film, I'd done as part of my Emmy at the art school, she'd said to me that image at the end with Carpenters, you know music, and I was like, oh, thank you. It's been a hard week for me. It's probably gonna be a harder next few weeks for me because this is just the way my mental health is. But hearing during this interview Lorna say that I was an example of what to do really was what I needed today because we get so in our heads sometimes and to have someone who's more professional and got much more experience tell you you're doing everything right, that that would just set you up for life. That really helped. So thank you Lorna. And before I sign off, we're going to close with one of Lorna's songs. It is an absolute gorgeous trip-hop vibe and absolute beautiful song needed right now for everyone that is burnt out or just wanting to relax or just want to enjoy good music. It is, of course, Lorna's track, Soothe Me. Stay safe, remember to breathe, and enjoy.